0: Welcome back to the podcast. I have two amazing episodes here for you. There's going to be part one and part two. Part one will be this week. Part part two will be next week that I really want you to enjoy. I taught this adult sex ed masterclass, the sex ed you should have got back in April, another one in May, and hey, stay tuned, there's probably going to be another one coming up in June and beyond. They're so good about really reclaiming our pleasure and the truth. We're busting the myths and the falsehoods so that we can create a healthy sexuality with less shame and way more pleasure. So it's going to start in a moment. Enjoy. And I'd love to know any other questions that you'd like to learn about. Anything at all that you're really curious about, please email me send me a message. I'm happy to answer these in
1: my next adult sex ed masterclass. You are listening to Get Your Sexy Back podcast with Kim Coffin, empowerment, sex, love, and relationship coach. My goal is to bring you uncensored healing and pleasurable wellness through sacred sexuality, sex positivity, and empowerment that feels good to your body. So as a collective, we can release shame, reclaim the places we've been most disempowered, reconnect to our body, remember who we are and step into our unapologetic power, basically breaking down the walls of our conditioning and the patriarchy together. My Pussy is so excited that you are here. Let's
2: drop into this week's episode. So I'm going to share a little bit about me. I wasn't always a sex lover relationship coach. I wasn't always empowered in my sexuality. So my story of sex ed even was like of grade eight class. I remember this very, very clearly. And they handed out this like bottle or box or something. And we had to pick a name, like pick a a piece of paper out of the box. And then we had to go around and read it out loud and tell the whole class what it was. (laughs) Guess what my word was? Oh, my word was masturbation. I didn't even know at that time what that meant. I didn't even know how to pronounce it. This had really, it had a little bit to do with my shame and disempowerment and fear and so forth going forward, because that was really, really hard to hold. But it was also the societal conditioning that left me really, really disconnected from my body, really embarrassed, right? Not being told what was true, not being talked about pleasure, not being talked about when it came to my body and my pleasure, right? see some comments here, could have enjoyed my early sexual years a lot better if I'd been educated. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I would love to go back and do my twenties again, or even my late teens. That would be so fun. Being this confident, this grounded, this embodied, it would be so much fun. But at the time, the way that I was taught and the way that most of us were taught, I ended up being very, very numb. I could only access pleasure in small, small amounts. And generally. To stay out of my head, I needed to, i admit somebody here, two seconds. Generally, to stay out of my head when it came to sexual experiences, I used to have to rely on alcohol. It was like, okay, I've had a few drinks now. I can relax and get out of my head. But alcohol is also a numbing agent, right? So there's so much that can happen there when we're relying on alcohol. We're actually not or anything else for that matter, right? We're actually not in our body. We're not in our pleasure. We're also not feeling all of the sensations that are available to us, which I have since learned are so amazing. I've learned that pleasure continues to deepen and deepen. And in my past, I would say I would sometimes have an orgasm, but not always. And they were little flashes, like little quick flashes that sometimes took a really long time to get to. Like a really long time to get to. And if I got stuck in my head, it wasn't happening. Like it just wasn't happening. So, and I just thought this was the way for me. I thought this is what I saw in movies and or so, this is not what I saw in movies. I thought that what I saw in movies and TV, right? Porn, all of that kind of thing, was the way it was supposed to be. And obviously, I internalized that there was something wrong with me, and that would never be. And that's, porn's not accurate either. Neither's TV. A lot of that is very not accurate, and we're going to get into that tonight, because if we're not learning from school properly, or from teachers, or from parents, or whatever it may be, we end up turning to magazines. The kids are turning to internet, right? The same way we were turning to TV and to porn, to movies, to try and learn what this is about, because it's like so hush hush and shh, right? Which on its own is creating so much shame. So the new way that I have learned, the way that I have really come into my full embodied healing was through sacred sexuality, was through reconnecting to my body. And I had no clue I was on that journey in the beginning, but that's the journey I was on. And it's been absolutely amazing. And this way has been self-honoring, pleasure-based in a way that I'm able and I was able to release the shame, the conditioning, the embarrassment, the fear around my body and around my sexuality. And I learned to, you know, learn what I liked and what I didn't like. And big parts that I work with my clients still to this day, because it's so tricky. And even myself at times is asking for what I want. Right. Again, as women, we're conditioned to not believe that our desires are even worth asking for, or that our pleasure isn't ours to own. So many of us start going through the motions and getting really stuck in the bedroom. So I learned how to switch that and to change that. And from there, I deepened into my pleasure, into my sacred sexuality, and really reconnected to my body, to my sensations, to my emotions. These are all very connected. And of course, my pleasure. And I am happy to share as much or as little as you desire. I am a completely open book. And uh, I'm proud to be a completely open book. (laughs) Got some comments here. I'm glad this is landing. Yes, I can't believe I used to only have sex in the dark. Yeah, that's nice. Totally didn't talk about that yet. Lights had to be off, right? And no pleasure in it. Yeah, yeah. And it's an interesting dynamic, right? Like if if you've had children and if you have ever tried for children, it's like women are kind of, there's this unspoken rule that we are allowed to have sex and we are allowed to enjoy ourselves and we're allowed to have an orgasm if it's for creating life. But if we go too far beyond that, we kind of get shamed or there's this connotation or feeling like there's a shaming around it, which is really an interesting dynamic. So I'm curious also, we talked about a little bit about your sex ed in high school or from parents or whatever that was. I'm curious, what were you taught about pleasure? Or were you taught more fear-based sex ed? Like, don't do it. You're going to get an STD or STIs or you're going to get pregnant. I'm curious if what, what you were taught, if there was any pleasure in there. And since being a teenager, when most of us got a little bit, have you learned more about your body? Have you learned more about your sexuality? Like how And this is an end, how confident do you feel in your sexuality today? So one being not much, two being somewhat, and three being very. And you can answer all or just one or ask me to repeat. So first thing first, um, you know, your body is a pleasure trove. And let's just start diving right into dispelling these myths because there's so many myths. We've already done a few here, right? Like not everybody's orgasmic and multi-orgasmic and even men being multi-orgasmic. So um, there's a big one that, you know, many women have been taught over the years and kind of, it's just kind of understood. I don't know that anybody ever said it to me, but that many women are led to believe that their partners know their body better than they do and i really want to speak to this i've already kind of talked to this a little bit but your pleasure is yours and you don't need a partner to experience exquisite pleasure and you also don't need to give your power away to have epic sex right so learning the roadmap to your pleasure is yours it's yours you were born as an erotic sexual sensual being this is where we come from from our root chakra And I do want to give a little uh, kind of side note here. I wanted to say at the beginning, but I totally forgot. Um, Proper body parts are typically, uh, for a woman, would be vulva, right? And the vagina is the only the internal part, like the canal, okay? And then I also use the word pussy. And that's why I wanted to speak to it, because I almost dropped the word pussy there. And I'm like, wait a minute, let me clarify. So pussy, for me, is also anatomically vulva and vagina and all of it combined. But... She is also my pelvic bowl. She is my inner intuitive knowing the essence of who I am, which is my power center, which is every female's power center. Our power center is in our womb space, in our pelvic bowl. And when we bring in the power of pussy and learn how to connect to her, we can use her to create the life we desire, whatever that may be in the bedroom, but also out and more importantly, out because we're out of the bedroom way more than we're in generally, right? So I just wanted to share some, some words. Oh, you're loving the pussy word. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um Yeah, I w- studied and worked with Mama Gina for three years and the beginning when I heard the word pussy, I was like, uh, what'd she say? Like I was stunned and I actually when I first read her book when I found out there was a book I've already signed up to work with her when I found out there was a book I couldn't even in the beginning buy the book because I couldn't let anybody see what I was reading I was like so filled with shame around that word that I was even exploring my sexuality so it sounds like many of you are already nicely on your way and if you're not yet then you're watching the replay no problem but I did want to speak to the word pussy and what that also encompasses depending what you're talking about. So I was talking about the roadmap to your pleasure is yours. And it's, I want to invite you to take the lead and to find out what you desire, to ask for what you want, to say, I'm not sure if I like this or I like this. Can we play? And I'll let you know which one is better. It's really, really powerful because I honestly, there's a newsflash here for you. They don't have a clue either. They have no clue. So they would much rather, I'm saying your partners, have you tell them what you like, have you direct them in what they like. Um, there's a total wonderland available to you to play with in your labia, in your inner and your outer labia, to play with your hair, which would also be inner and outer lips. I'm going to show you some photos as we go through um, that I have just some kind of drawings that I have And yeah, there's so much to play with and to explore here. And it's okay to ask for corrections. If it doesn't feel good, I want to invite you to ask for corrections. And if your partner gives you grief for this, I want you to know that that's not okay. It's truly not okay. You get to ask and to explore in a way that feels comfortable. Uh, One little tip for, for doing so is you can actually sometimes If you're working with a male partner, they are more tactile and you can actually say, okay, let me show you on your hand. And you can try showing them on their hand, what kind of pressure, what kind of stroke. Um, It can be easier for them to understand when they're feeling. And just if you don't know this, men actually, most men need so much more pressure. So the fact that we are like generally asking for a lighter pressure until we're really, really turned on can be like so unfathomable to men. So it, it's okay to clarify. And I only really learned that when I was practicing penis and pussy massage with my husband. And it was like, really like harder? And it, like, it's not um, like a faster thing, but like much, much more pressure than we would ever want generally on recirculatoris. So I did want to share that with you. And yes, though the, I see some comments. Yes, the word is offsetting at first, but oh, and then we come alive. <laughs> yes, That is it exactly. And we can actually use like our pussy, our pelvic bowl to lead us for um, like a GPS, literally a GPS through our life, telling us what is a yes and what is a no, whether that's what to have for breakfast, what clothes to put on what to, you know, do in business, who to see, who to date, whatever that may be. Another comment here. I will will both say that I love or hate something from the depths of my pussy. Yeah. Yes. And our turn on is that indicator. Uh, It's like our little beacon telling us, yes, this feels good. Yes. I want more of this or "Mm, dead. Nada. There's nothing there. This isn't for me. So me know as we go any any favorite ahas as i'm sharing and again anything you want to hear more about so some of the really common myths as well go into that women particularly can only orgasm through penetrative sex what is shown through the movies um it's not true right i'm hoping you have learned this but not everybody has some of my friends and clients have taken to their 30s mid 30s even to even start touching themselves or to even give themselves an orgasm. And oh, there's so much I want to share there. there. It's so heartbreaking to me. And yet I also understand where this is coming from in society when there's so much pressure and so much, well, not enough information. We've already talked about that from schools and, and so forth. And then definitely not the information around our pleasure. And it's still hush, hush and silent. and just so much shame and fear built around it, which makes it really, really hard to talk about. So one of the comments I wanted to share was, if you don't have, like, there's some feeling sometimes that if you don't have exquisite, like, screaming orgasms or experience a ton of pleasure, then there's something wrong with you or there's something broken. And this is why I'm speaking to this myth and kind of falsehood, because it's not true. I'm actually going to guess, depending if somebody is there, that it's just there's so much pleasure available to you, but you haven't learned how to access it, whether it's because of numbness, disconnection, trauma, or just not information, or not the permission to explore and to find out what is available to you. And the opposite can happen with vibrators. So vibrators can actually desensitize us to an extent where we actually don't feel very much pleasure. So. Um, and no shame in using vibrators. I still play with them, of course, myself, but I always leave these settings on very, very low. And one little trick, if you're desiring to expand your orgasms and learn how to not just have um, a clitoral orgasm, but you want to learn how to have womb orgasms or G-spot orgasms or all of these different spots. There's so many spots that we can play with is to practice titrating if you're used to a vibrator or your hand, whatever that may be, or your partner, to practice titrating between stimulating your clitoris and being penetrated at the same time. And then to edge, which is what we call edging, where you can take away the stimulation in your clitoris, but still continue to play with penetration. And as your turn on maybe starts to dwindle, you can turn it back on again by literally putting more Uh, stimulation on your clitoris. So that is an option. And it's a great way to practice edging. You can practice this way by deepening your orgasm and deepening your pleasure and by really actually relearning, by relearning and, and talking with the biofeedback between your brain and your pussy on how to have these other orgasms that maybe you haven't had before. I wanted to share that little tip. But another one is a lot of doctors or a lot of people will say, just have sex, you'll get in the mood. And there's a concept that actually I have one of our diagrams I'm going to show in a little bit um, from Emily Nagowski, who shares Come As You Are. It's a fabulous book and it's talking about the breaks and accelerator. And we all have a turn on accelerator and a break, but we all have varying degrees of a turn on. Of, of an accelerator and a brake. So if there's stress, if there's an argument earlier in the week, if there's a lot going on, women can typically, not always, have a much stronger foot on their brake and it can take longer to turn on. And sometimes men can have not always again, can have a stronger accelerator Um, like they're pushing harder on the accelerator and there's not many breaks going on. So we can have like this miscommunication and dynamic that's happening when we're busy, we're running around, you know, taking care of kids, working hard, uh, maybe making dinner, doing household stuff, which again, still seems to be a lot of the women's responsibility, not as much as it was way back when, but there's still a lot that we do. And just that alone, can put so much pressure on us that our break is like down to the floor. Like there is just no turn on coming in. So I'd invite you to check in and see what that is for you. You you might have a strong break. You might have a strong accelerator. You might have an easy break or an easy accelerator. There's so many different balances. But I invite you not to just have sex to get in the mood. Now there's other things you can start to play with. But if you are pushing yourself into having sex and your body is not a full fucking yes, like I mean, fully turned on yes, you're actually causing more trauma to your body, which ultimately leads into numbness. It leads into pain, disconnection, where you're not listening to your body and it can lead to shutdown. And one other really key piece in here is women generally, Take a minimum of 20 minutes to fully turn on before any penetration should happen, and sometimes longer. So I just really want to give permission there to allow space to turn on, to not be, you know, what's wrong with me? Why aren't I getting in the mood? Why can't I? I want to give this permission and this knowledge behind your brakes, your accelerator, and actually how long it does take to turn on. So I spoke of options. There's so many options to play with to warm up. And sometimes taking the pressure off of, hey, it's not going to be sex tonight. Let's just like start. And I'm going to reframe that sex word in a moment. But let's just start to play and be intimate and connect and see what happens. Maybe the turn on comes. Maybe it doesn't. And it was just a beautiful, intimate evening and that is our daytime, whatever that may be. And that is totally fine. So some practices to start playing with this are playing with tantric sex practices. They're phenomenal for this. And we can take like orgasm off the table. It really reduces the pleasure pressure and it allows us to expand and grow and deepen our pleasure. And that's where our pleasure and our orgasms can start to become very magical even spiritual and deeply, deeply sacred and honoring. So it's totally beautiful. So some of these tools can be pussy and penis massage, like I mentioned, tantric sex practices, pleasure practices, five senses, reality practices, five senses also play practices is another really favorite of mine. There's a lot of energy play that I work with, breath work, intimacy practices. There's so many tools and they may not only to sex. And the reason I wanted to clarify around the sex word is typically people are thinking, and we've been taught that sex is penis and vagina per se. And I disagree. And I want to invite you to expand again, what is possibly allowed to be sex. Like any of these practices, any of these playful intimacy, where we're connecting, where we're touching, where we're playing are sex. There's so much more to sex. So I really want to invite you to deepen into that of what that looks like. Got some comments here that I want to play with here and read. Love that book. Yeah, good. Good, good, good. That's um, Come As You Are by Emily Nagowski. So many varieties. I love that my husband and I play with dance, drawing, singing to help invite intimacy slowly before things progress, when I'm not feeling things. And yes, we enjoy various forms of sexual play without... It always having to be full-on intercourse. Yes, so, so good. You know, it can it can lead to feeling more satisfied with what is and not judging and doubting that, you know, what we thought was going to happen didn't happen, which, again, can shut down our, our bodies and put on the brakes and so many things. So it's so good to be able to open up that in, in pleasure and expansion into, just following our pleasure. Pressure is a very much a mood killer. Absolutely. And I shared earlier about, you know, alcohol experiences my, in my 20s and 30s to um, get in the mood, right? Like so many people joke about, oh, we're having a few drinks tonight, going to get lucky tonight. Like it's actually not a great time to play. It might feel like fun, but as I was saying earlier, and it can be also, right? There's a both and here, but if it's a regular thing that you're always turning to alcohol to get out of your head, I want to invite you to, you know, really look at what's going on there because alcohol is numbing your sensations. It is, you know, it's affecting your sleep. It's affecting hormones, It's affecting so many experiences. And we're not able to connect and to really truly listen to our bodies, full yeses and no's when we're feeling that way. So um, I just wanna invite you if that is you, just to speak to that and no shame if that's true for you, but there is so much more available to you. And I work with so many people who also hold so much trauma and shame and um, it's, it's, hey, I did it myself, I totally get it. It's what I thought I had to do to enjoy sex. And it makes sense, like looking back at my history and everything, I had sexual assault as a young teen from my stepfather, and then my mother betrayed me and didn't believe me and denied it and so forth. So that caused a really big breath and a really big disconnection in me and my truth and my body. And then even people who don't actually have trauma or assault specifically in their body as a female identifying human in this world, there is so much deep conditioning around all of that. And a lot of us hold it, whether it's ours, whether it's our mothers or grandmothers, you name it. So I really wanted to speak to that. And I also wanted to share that it is possible to reclaim all of that. It is really, really possible. I do it with myself and my clients all the time. And it doesn't need to stay that way. Thank you for talking about this. So important. You're very, very welcome. Is the numbing true of cannabis as well? And yes, it's actually written here and I didn't speak to it yet. So I would highly recommend, there's a both and here. I would highly recommend that you learn to reconnect to your body fully 100% sober and learn how to reconnect to your sensations in your body before you start playing with something like cannabis. Because that's something that I can play with now and I can bring in, but I'm also very in my body. I'm not using it to numb out and I can still feel my sensations and I can still play. So that is totally an option, but it is also a numbing agent. So it's something, it's a little different than alcohol, but I would really recommend learning to explore and can reconnect to your body without any additives before. Does that make sense? Yeah. And if you see this pattern in, in you or in the past, I invite you to get curious with it and just start exploring. As a medical patient, I can say that I can make things feel relaxed and pleasurable, but too much different for everyone. Yes. And it can have a negative effect, just like drinks. Absolutely. And I'm in Canada, so it has been legal for a handful of years here. And it's super fun to play with. And it makes you horny. Interesting. Who knows? I had never heard that that is normal. Um, like for everyone kind of thing. I don't know that that is a side effect, but maybe it's just enough also to allow you to relax. So, and at the same time, if you are going to play, I would recommend with cannabis that you're like using like such small doses and you're learning like just to like take a little bit to play with. I actually play with cannabis also when I get migraines for perimenopause and I just take a little bit, like a couple milligrams And anytime I drop into a pleasure practice with just a couple of milligrams, it is quite powerful. It's not a lot, but it's enough to allow for some different depths of playing in tantric realms, which is really, really cool. So um, there's a both and for there. I hope that helps. Yeah. Take for migraines too. It helps. It helps so much for migraines. So another one I wanted to speak to is you can't have sex if a man doesn't have an erection um, if you're playing with a male partner. So um, we have already talked about sex, penis, and vagina, and I want to invite you to expand that. But technically, no, and I invite you to play with a soft on. As we're getting older, it's very, very common for many, many male partners to not be able to stay hard for as long. Now, there's also things we can play with and do to extend that. And there's so much for to play with there, but there's actually great things that you can play with with a soft on. So you can play with penis and pussy massage. A woman can take a little bit of control and play on top, and it can be really, really pleasurable uh, when a woman is like rubbing her clitoris on more of a softer penis. It can feel really, really good. And men still feel pleasure even when it's soft. So I want to invite you to, you know, help your partner if this is the case. If this is happening where, you know, you're kind of like demystifying the shame that it can be around this. And there can be a lot of shame that men hold around this. And there's so much more you can play with. So I just wanted to speak to that quickly. Another one is that women lose their libido as they move into perimenopause and menopause. Yes, in your 40s, so curious about this. Yes, yes, yes. So I am also uh, 47. I've been in perimenopause for 10 years already. I noticed it happening around 37. And um, like right now it's not a problem, but I wonder was it was a good Yeah, everybody can hit perimenopause at a very different time. And just to speak to this, I actually didn't have this written down, but perimenopause lasts generally for about 10 years before you go into menopause. And most people are like, huh, what? I thought it was just menopause and that was it. It's actually the perimenopausal period in the 10 years before menopause that can actually be the hardest. This is the time where our hormones are fluctuating all over the place. You may notice libido all over the place. Um, There's so many side effects. These migraines for me only started in, I think, 42-ish in perimenopause starting to the day of my period is the crash of estrogen and I get the migraine. So it's kind of like, I guess my period starting today. Um, I'm still playing with a naturopath to try and balance that out because I don't want migraines every few weeks. And there's times where I've had periods every two weeks and then every three weeks. And then they've gone 45 days and 100 days. Like It's all over the map. But to try and reduce those, those migraines is important. And speaking to hot flashes there as well, you really want to reduce those hot flashes. We're going to go into libido in a moment if you're having hot flashes or hot flushes, because it actually is really, really hard on your heart. Again, if all the men went to a doctor saying they're having hot flashes and hormonal problems and all of these things, they would have figured it out a long time ago how to balance perimenopause if it were in men. But women's healthcare has um, definitely taken the latter and longer road to get to. And they haven't, but there's, you know, a lot of, I guess, mis- misinformation out there about perimenopause and menopause. And it's important to become really, really educated on what that means. An amazing book. Now I'm talking, it's a course though. It's a long one is Dr. Christian Northrop's for the wisdom of menopause. It's like 34 hours on audible. And if it, um, if you want to read it, It's such tiny print and it's like this thick. I found it very boring. I actually wanted to have a copy just sitting here so I could reference and I couldn't even buy it because it was so boring. But it is a powerful book on learning how to support your system in perimenopause. Because if you haven't dealt with everything coming up in your life, so traumas, emotions you're not releasing, stress not speaking your truth, boundaries, all of these places, ultimately, as we creep into our 40s, things are going to start to erupt. So we start to, you know, almost like as we move in into um, a teenager, before we're a teen, we know what we like, we don't, we know what we don't like, and our hormones were pretty balanced, and we were pretty level-headed. As we move into becoming, you know, a teenager and we're getting our cycles and our periods, we're getting these hormones and these hormones are actually what helps us want to continue to um, find a partner, to have children, to nurture them. It's all these nurturing hormones and they sometimes lead to, so does societal conditioning, us being like a really good girl, like a really people-pleasing, I got this superwoman. I can do it all. And as we creep into perimenopause in the 40s, these hormones start to dwindle. And all of a sudden, we can be, well, you know, the raging bitch and all of these things that people start to joke about women. And really, these are just the places where we haven't held our boundaries, where we haven't spoken our truth, where we haven't dealt with in a proper way, like actually properly integrated these pieces of our lives. So it's really important to do our work before we get, or as we're getting into this time. And the same goes for libido. Like it does not need to dwindle. It may dwindle, but most likely it's the pressures of everything that you have going on, similar to the break, right? So stress, losing a job, a move, a divorce, death, Grief, children, children moving out, children coming back, like that is enough alone to turn off like all libido. So I invite you, if that is the case, to ask for help and don't try and do it all your own. And you also want to use lube. And if you don't already have, um, what's it called? My toy? What is it? Toys and lube to uplevel your pleasure. It's a whole PDF document. I'll drop the link um, towards the end just so you have it, because it is a really amazing document I put together, and to go with it, I actually did a podcast on it, you don't know, I have a podcast called Get Your Sexy Back, and it's episode 170, I made notes here, it is the must-have toys and lube guide to uplevel your pleasure, and I did the podcast along it with the PDF, so if you haven't listened, have a listen, I have this link here now. And then there's a free um, essential pleasure tools guide here that you can grab. And uh, there's the link. I'll send it out in the emails afterwards with the replay as well. So that one is amazing because you also want to play with lube as we're moving into perimenopause. That's really, really important. You're still going to be turned on, though. I know women who have reconnected to their body, reconnected to their sexuality, live from their pelvic bowl, from pussy, from turn on in their 60s and 70s that are more turned on today than they ever were in their entire life. So it is not always true that you lose your libido as you're moving into perimenopause and menopause. It's generally the other stuff, the stresses that we haven't dealt with that are going to lead to a lesser libido. Okay, hope that makes sense. Love to this become a monthly class. Yes, yeah, it's been great. Love this group. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'm going to send the recording out later tonight or tomorrow and you can grab the rest and there's going to be lots of goodies in there as well. And if you're loving this, you can check out the Sacred Pleasure membership too. It's going to be in there too. Tons of info I'm always sharing. I love speaking about this. This is So important to women's health and really understanding what's going on in our bodies. So one of the other things I wanted to speak to was pleasure. Pleasure will wane and pleasure will dwindle uh, as you age. This is what people say, right? Same kind of thing as moving into perimenopause and menopause, but a little addition. So I want you to know that the clitoris never dies and never atrophies, which is so freaking cool. Um, they used to say there was 10,000 nerve endings in a clitoris, and this was right up until last year. This part is going to blow you a little away if you don't already know it. There's actually 10,000 nerve endings in our clitoris, but the 8,000 that we were speaking to up till 2022 was because they were studying a pig. (laughs) They were not actually studying a human, a female-identifying human for their clitoris. So um, I really wanted to share that. There is 10,000 nerving endings there. There is double than what a man has, and it is all for your pleasure. All for your pleasure. I know. Why are they studying pigs still in 2022? I don't know.
0: Hope you enjoyed parts of this adult sex ed masterclass. This is part one. Stay tuned for part two next week. If you are loving this content and you're like, oh my gosh, I need to learn more. What else don't I know? I do have a couple spots open for private coaching right now. So if you would like to hop on a complimentary call, totally no obligation, but we get to hop on a call, see what it is you desire, see what's holding you back from your desires and really receive some support around what it would take for you to achieve your desires around your body, around your sexuality, around your pleasure. All of these things, your your confidence, creating boundaries, it's all connected. So if you would like to receive some support and go deeper into these topics, I would love to connect with you. Hop on a free call, let's chat, and let's see if private coaching is for you. And if it's not, I am happy to share with you the other options about how the Sacred Pleasure membership works or the Sacred Pleasure hybrid. So I'm happy to help you there. So hop on a call and let's connect and we'll go from there. Oh, and stay tuned because part two is coming up next week.
1: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you got a juicy nugget or two, scroll down on whatever app you're listening to and leave a five-star rating and review. I invite you to follow me, join the conversation, the weekly lives, and a lot of other amazing free content in my private Facebook group, Let's Get Your Sexy Back. You can also friend me personally on Facebook, Kim Coffin, and follow me on Instagram at Get Your Sexy Back Coach. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, don't be shy, reach out. I'd love to connect with you.